All right, gang, it is that time of the week. It is time for the True Wealth Radio Show, and we are stoked to be here on this, the greatest Tuesday you've had all week. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dave Littlejohn in studio joining me today as often. Matt Dixon. Good deal. Matt, I'm already going to make an executive decision. This thing's going off. Okay. All right. We, uh, we're just going to kill uh, uh, an effort here, but it didn't work. We're we're playing with recordings. It was a disaster. That's all I can say. So yeah, um, we're we're back to camera one and camera one. Yeah, the spotlight is on you, David. What do you have for us on this lovely Tuesday? <laughs> a punt. Okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, actually, I am stoked to be. It is a lovely Tuesday. Transition time. Uh, boy, is it funny. Uh, you look outside. We've had a kind of a mixed bag of weather. There's been some rain. There's been some blue sky. There's been some gray. And you know what it feels like? The entire world. Mm. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, why is it that I cannot open up a news feed with that without finding chaos, catastrophe, and misery? It's been in the headlines everywhere, right? Like, it seems like no matter where you look, there's always a headline and it's always negative. There's just nothing to be had for um yeah is you're right there's just there's just nothing yeah. to be had that that the media wants to sell us it's a good idea right now that's a mm -hmm. good thing yeah and it, do you have a little bit of optimism for me somewhere well in all you of know this? i do because i'll just turn it off yeah right? i mean that's the amazing thing i'll turn it off i'll read it instead of listen to it or instead of watch it for sure i mean i don't bother to watch anything anymore uh, i i just and this just comes back to the whole uh, for, for for you listeners that are unaware, right? My my college degree was in journalism and mass communication. Mm. It always sho uh, shocks a lot of people. Like, wait a second, you're like an economist, finance guy, right? Why? Are you, what do you mean? No, that's where I started. What I see does not resemble that very often. The days right? of like true journalism or kind of journalism used to be considered the fourth branch of government. It was the watchdog, mm -hmm. right? And it was this idea that it was to keep people honest. It was to report the truth, and so that folks were worried about the discovery of said truth. Uh, you know, the the joke anymore is you, you know the difference between conspiracy and reality about six months, mm. and that seems to be shortening. Yeah. Right. So I don't think, you know, when people say it's conspiracy theory any longer, I just kind of go, maybe. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe. And, and that that's the part that's it's getting old. Right. Uh, I asked Matt a trick question today. Okay. Now, before I tell you the trick question, because it wasn't a trick question, but there's a reason for it. What's the most recent scare your kids so that they can't go to sleep at night news? Well, Russia is talking about how they're going to be moving nukes into Bel or into um, Belarus. Correct. Yeah. Right. And so this has been spoken about for quite some time. Uh, what I can say is I have not been able to figure out the foreign policy on this one. But at this point, it's uh, it does. It no longer makes any kind of sense that I can discern. Mm -hmm. Understand that if this was journalism, that, then I, I would have a problem spot here because I don't think what I'm about to give you is journalism. I think you're about to get my editorialized opinion. And it's almost forced because of the lack of true journalism. So go for it. I want to hear what, you, what you're thinking. I can't figure out what's going on any longer. Hmm. Right? I can't figure out the United States' vested interest mm -hmm. in Ukraine. 
Okay, I don't know where it was to begin with. In what you know, the more you peel layers back, the more there seem to be elements of corruption at play. And while I think that it is a human tragedy that mm-hmm. there is war, I can't figure out what the end game is. Here. I, I have no idea what the end game is. I have no idea why the billions of dollars have been sent. Because let me tell you something. Yeah, we're not I, going at this without spending a ton of money. Yeah. So what's the spend for? <laughs> well, and and here's the let me just I'll be an equal opportunity uh, destroyer here. I'll just piss right. off everybody. All right. Okay, like, you know, so a lot of our listeners are going to hear this and they're going to be like, wait a second, seriously? Because it's going to feel like I turned on you, right? I am not a Bernie Sanders supporter. Mm-hmm. But for heaven's sake, for as much money as we have funneled to the Ukraine for questionable, and I can't figure it out, I really think we probably could have solved homelessness and child hunger domestically. And probably could have taken care of a lot of the issues that we've got with veterans that are really struggling. I mean, like, we could have, we have thrown so much money at this that we're just out of touch with what it means. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, we're just out of touch. When, you, when you're throwing around, you know, 80, 90, 100 billion, billion dollars. Right? And there's no tax ramification to this. It's not like they're paying taxes on the money that we're sending to Ukraine. Right? Mm-hmm. You look at this and go... Holy cow! Yeah, right? and it's I mean, not like, just money anymore like, that we're sending. When could you say, like, you know, maybe we can't afford to pay off a bunch of student debt if we're giving the money away for what appears to be no understandable or discernible purpose? And I, I really disagree with the debt forgiveness. Like, mm-hmm. I, I realize that's it's really controversial to say, right? But I disagree because I think it creates such a perverse incentive, mm-hmm. right? Like, and not just for students that took out loans, but you know, for colleges that are, I, I can't, I don't understand why universities get a, a different cost of, like, a different cost of living adjustment, if you will. Mm-hmm. They have their own inflation index for in, in, for colleges, right? They have a higher yeah. education inflation index that's separate from the rest of the country. What? Like, why is that okay? And, and even worse than that is you listen to college boards that get together and what they're told by the the accounting personnel at the different colleges often is, well, here's sort of where everybody is. If you take a snapshot of where all the different colleges are. And so uh, we're going to, our budget cycle, we want to stay in the middle of the pack. Some other people raise tuition, so we're going to raise tuition. And all that does is means everybody goes and raises tuition again, right? Well, we have to retain talent or this, that, and the other. My goodness. Like the student is not the I, 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 explain to me this because education ought to be like about the student, right? It should be like an investment in our young folks or really any folks so that they can go and better their lives. Well, and yeah. not just better their lives, but all of our lives are better. Yeah. Right? Like if everybody gets better at their craft and you go out and contribute into the economy. It should lift the tide. Mm-hmm. It's a corporate investment in bettering our society. It's a good thing. Okay? So why are the students viewed as wallets instead of the customers? Hmm. Like, that really throws me off. It's like, let's try to do things for the good of the student. Now, I want to also put a plug in here, because many of you know, and remember, I'm editorializing and ranting slightly, is... I sit on the the board for the college right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there's an election coming up, and so far nobody else is in my district. 
so far. So not looking to try to have an election runoff here. I've learned a great deal by being on that college board. I can tell you this. I'm a big fan of Dr. Pokrant because I believe philosophically she does something right at UCC. And that is she really views the student as the that the student is who the college serves. Mm -hmm. That's a big piece is when you actually truly, not just in word, but philosophically, wholeheartedly believe that the student is why you're there. And it's sad to say, but that's almost a rarity anymore yeah. in education. And people are probably balking at that behind the scenes saying, no, seriously, you know, most of them are really there for the students. And I'm like, are they, though? I think that a lot of folks are there to do their job the best they can. And their job description is like, here's an example. I think the folks that work in financial aid try really hard to help get students mm -hmm. financial aid. Uh, a lot of it comes through federal resources. The issue that I run into is folks will look at this and say, well, we've gotten all this federal money so that we can pay for education, but they view the federal money as free money. Mm -hmm. I see that in the nonprofit community. I see it across the state, and I've seen it all over the place, multi-state, right? But yeah. this, this idea that, well, federal money is mana from heaven. It just materializes. It just exists, and it's always right? going to oh, be well, there. Oh, we've got yeah. a federal grant so we can build a building. And then you go, yes, but how are you going to sustain the building? It's like, well, that's a problem for tomorrow. Let's build the building today. Mm -hmm. And I look at this and go, but that federal money still came from the taxpayers. And right now it's coming from my grandkids, which I don't have yet. Mm -hmm. Right? We have. That's how far out into the future we have borrowed in order to fund these things on federal dollars, federal dollars that don't exist. We run not just a deficit, but a massive debt. And that hand keeps wanting more money. That's the other thing that's alarming. It's like, hey, you know, we're getting paid, but I want more. I want more. Yeah. And so that's the part where I find myself going, okay, we need to take a, a look culturally at what we stand for. Because a lot of people, I believe, are truly well-intended. But they're not they don't holistic in their view it's like well i'm well intended in my little piece of the pie but it's not connected to the all all of the other decisions right mm -hmm. and to be able to see eight steps into the future like well how does this domino effect really yeah you know, i mean that's a common one let's let's use an example that'd be very real though let's say that we're all engineers and we have to build an aircraft that's capable of flying mm -hmm. okay and it has to meet certain weight criteria and strength criteria and fuel efficiency criteria. But nobody's willing to sacrifice on the strength component and everything gets too heavy. It still won't fly. Mm -hmm. Oh, your part that you engineered isn't going to break. But there were no compromises on that part anywhere. Mm -hmm. And as a result, everybody thought that way. And when it was all said and done, you built a tank of an aircraft that's incapable of flying. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what we do in our in our government, in a sense, or in, in the way that our economy offers. Here's the thing. Private sector doesn't get that luxury because the private sector can fail. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you have a business that doesn't work. It's like, well, it just ceases to exist. Problem solved. Not the same the, case in the, in the sense it, of the it government. It seems like, well, we better subsidize that. We better throw more money at it. Mm -hmm. And they're in with think, the thought somewhere. that they're too big to fail. Sometimes. Yeah. Right. And by the way, I mean, we can pick on the private sector here. Right. Oh, we can go trash the banking industry. 
Mm-hmm. We can trash it. But you know the banking industry is sort of this unique hybrid of managing to kind of extend it's private itself. sector, but it gets the yeah, benefits of government. <laughs> well, it's got the Federal Reserve, mm-hmm. which is technically air quotes not government, but who does it answer to itself? And the government appoints people. Yeah, it's like quasi. <laughs> that's a weird deal. Where oh, it can have its own balance sheet that doesn't show up anywhere and we don't count it that sounds to me like somebody just you know well we don't have to print the money or have reserves anywhere let's just add a keystroke and put another zero on the end of that line and we fix the problem that sounds like a magic fairy with a wand right like poof like let's just fix it (laughs) and, and it it is except for the part where it's not getting fixed. Ooh. Right? That's yeah. that's the challenge. So we we need to talk a little bit about all this rant. Let's get into the constructive side of it. I want to talk today about where is the banking system headed? Why I don't think we should abandon it. How it relates to nuclear bombs. Oh. And what it means for us as investors. But first, obscene profit break on the way. So stick around everybody and we'll be right back where we're going to answer all those questions and have some fun along the way too. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. We got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. And reminder you can grab us at a podcast. It'll be available tomorrow if you go to littlejohnfs.com. It's at 541 Radio 2. But uh, you can sign up for those things at your favorite podcast resource, right? So yep. if you want to get it through iTunes or yeah, you know Google or lots of places, it's out there. Just look for True Wealth and Little John and you'll find it. Uh, so rant over, let's get into the constructive stuff. Uh, for all of our investors out there that are worried about the banking system, should you be worried? Mm, I mean, it depends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. This There's this, like, let me break the question apart. Like, should mm-hmm. you be worried? Uh, no, because psychologically speaking, like, it doesn't do anything, right? Worry yeah. is like twiddling your thumbs. Like, great. It's, it's, you're worried about it. Now what? Just, yeah. If you, you like know, to worry, go for it. But <laughs> it won't impact the outcome. So worry no. is useless. But should you do anything i don't know right i I don't think so Mm -hmm. and uh there's there's just a lot going on here uh i want to stress some this is the silver lining we were talking about okay the system the financial system is desperate to correct itself Mm -hmm. right it wants so badly to survive it will not give up without a fight of radical proportion. Mm -hmm. And I also think that the Federal Reserve, if their back is to the wall, right, and they're looking at this thing and saying, hey, by raising the rates this quickly, we've really screwed this thing up. And, you know, things are, I mean, this is hypothetical. If they, if we get to this point where they're like, man, if we keep raising rates or if we don't do something, this whole thing's going to break. I feel like the Fed isn't going to just they're not out to destroy us, right? That's not in their best interest. No. They want things to be good because their money's at stake yeah. too. And so So it won't just be the Fed though. You realize that, right? Yeah. There's probably two important words that everybody needs to pay closer attention to than you are. I I can almost guarantee that the folks listening, two words 
that you should know right now. Lending standards. They what, are what already changing. What do I mean? I mean, it goes down to who are we going to loan our money to and are you a qualified borrower? Yes. And what that looks like is changing radically. We're seeing it right now. Yeah. And this is one of the concerns. Um, read a, a great article. Those of you that watch CNBC or check them, I mean, they're, I guess technically they're a competitor, but I don't consider them a competitor. Um, Josh Brown is a author, TV personality, and he's with another firm, but uh, did a great piece that came out. Actually, had a client refer it to me and talked about how much the regional banks contribute to the job growth in our country. And it's okay. because they're the ones that lend to the small businesses, mm -hmm. right? The mega banks don't do that many loans. Most of the uh, economic development style loans that are not that are in the the re, like like small the business, smaller commercial space. Yeah. yeah, so you're not talking about home loans. Most commercial lending to small businesses happens in the small regional banks mm -hmm. and the community banks. And if you see all these rates going up like crazy and people worried about defaults, lending standards will tighten. It means it's going to be hard to get loans. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, that means that it's going to be a lot harder to continue to have jobs yeah, grow. Absolutely. And I've been saying this for a while, and I'm going to just go, let me just go on record saying this, right? I think we are already in a recession. I just don't think we know how to measure it. That's it. And how do we actually feel it? Yeah. Right. I think it's, it's two pieces. Uh, you know, it started with, well, we have this out of control inflation, we have wage inflation, and the jobs numbers aren't declining, right? Everybody's mm -hmm. there's still help wanted everywhere, but we couldn't get help. I think the help wanted ads are gonna start to come down. Right? Mm -hmm. And the the inflation issue is yet another issue. Uh I, I I'm just done sugarcoating it. I can't figure out some of the economic decisions that we have going on in DC. Right. I can't understand how when you have inflation, the problem that it is that the solution is to throw more money at the problem. Like that is the clinical definition of insanity. Right. Right. I'm not making a partisan shot here. I'm making an economic shot. I'm like, uh, what are you thinking? Right. I made this same shot at the prior administration when there mm -hmm. was like doubling down when when you already had this massive economic growth. And it was like, we need more stimulus. It's like, no, we do not. We do not need more government stimulus right now. There are already tons of jobs. The economy is cranking. No, you do not need to put gasoline on this raging inferno. Just let it burn on its own. Don't fuel it. So, it could be vote. It could be trying to gather votes. It could be ignorance. It could be a lot of different things. But no matter which way you cut the cheese, it doesn't it's not good. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it comes down to um, you have nationalists and globalists. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's not a very fun thing. It's not very popular to bring up. Uh, but globalists have a different philosophy about, you know, governance should come around countries coming together, dissolving borders and treating it all as sort of one giant um, amalgam of people. And I think nationalists look at this and say, well, much like I think Republican 
not the politician group, but the original concept of those that believe in a republic over a pure democracy, mm-hmm. wanted local control over what they were doing. And I, I still think personally that that's appropriate because I think the needs of Roseburg are different than the needs of Eugene mm-hmm. or Portland or New Definitely. York, right? So I like preserving local control, and I don't know how globalists think that works out. But I know some of the tools they're using to try to get more horsepower behind it, mm-hmm. right? And, you, you know, you just see these large sweeping agendas. I am suspicious. I, I'm just telling you, I'm suspicious of the climate agenda. Mm-hmm. I have watched it in my career. I have watched things that seem to have no relationship whatsoever to investing be insisted upon that they have a relationship to investing. And yeah. I just scratch my head and go, huh, right? And again, you know, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. And then six months later, you're like, mm, maybe not as much as we want to admit. Yeah. So the the climate piece is a big one. Do you feel like the push recently for universal basic income could also be another push in that direction? You know, I mean, I think that that was probably inevitable if you go all the way back to like Rome mm-hmm. or Athens, right? You know, you look back at the great Greek philosophers of their day and they warned us that uh, a pure democracy when the citizens discover that they can vote themselves money that it's the end of democracy Mm. right and so this is not a new idea this has been going on for millennia i think that's a good point to make (laughs) yeah so there's there's no like oh my gosh did you see that this is the idea no this idea has been around forever uh you want to see if something really interesting uh and i don't pitch a lot of these but uh there was a show that was on the sci-fi channel at one time called the expanse that's Mm -hmm. it's based in the future the storyline's a little wacky but it was is gritty it was it was a lot it was you know interesting characters and so forth stuff that i like because i like sci-fi and i like this futurist kind of stuff like what might a world be like they really explored some of the politics though in that and one of the things is well they ran out of work uh, so I, I do really think that AI could be our, you know, our demise eventually, because if AI continues to grow at the rate that it's growing right now, how many jobs is that going to take up? Right. Like, I mean, it has the ability to really kind of take over and change the landscape of. It the... does. It, it, but it this was the Gene Roddenberry theory, right? He's the Star Trek guy, mm-hmm. creator Star Trek. Uh, AI could get to where a lot of the jobs that we traditionally think of in the service industry or the thinking industry start to disappear. It's not going to do certain things yet. I mean, like AI is not farming yet. It's contributing to it. And it's making it smarter and more uh, efficient. And so I'm not even going to rule out the idea that someday it would be capable of that. But the, the concept behind... What made the Star Trek universe sort of interesting was, well, there was not a need for money any longer, right? Once they had replication technology, then it was, well, if you could have any of the material things you wanted, it was no longer a good measurement, Hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. you weren't cool because you had a Ferrari, because somebody else could have a Ferrari. Right. So that wasn't the thing anymore. And then the pursuits shifted to, 
intellectual pursuits and discovery and finding new worlds and and so that that was sort of the premise i personally don't believe that utopia exists super cynical right but i just look at human nature and go no i just think we're too greedy for that right yeah i mean there's still folks that for lack of a better descriptor they just sort of seek to put themselves in a position of authority over others yeah the greed for power will always yeah usurp i never understood like this idea of the magnanimous chain of command in uh Starfleet or whatever. It's like you mean to tell me that like somebody would just look at the admiral giving them orders that they didn't want to do, and they do it anyway because, well, that's just their personality type, and that's who they chose. Mm-hmm. It just seems strange to me that well, what was the motivation? Because you you know they can't get any anyway. I'm off the off the beaten track here. The point is back to universal basic income. It doesn't surprise me, but I will tell you that I don't think it's a solve at all. I think mm-hmm. it falls in the same category as the student loan forgiveness. Yeah, right. I it think is. It's a pernicious incentive that disincentivizes the behavior rather than what people claim it will do, which is oh, it's going to stabilize, it's going to make everything okay, it's going to give us this base layer. It's like saying that if we raise the minimum wage, everybody's going to come out of poverty. It has never worked in all of history. It just makes everything else disproportionately expensive and redistributes things mm-hmm. so i mean look around i mean has it fixed anything by it, it has never no. worked anywhere yeah right it just it's not sustainable at scale mm-hmm. right the only type of commune style living that's ever worked would have been voluntary and small I mean, I think the evidence is all around us, right? Look at the wage growth over the last few years. I mean, you can go get a job in fast food or wherever, and you're making $14, $15 an hour, and homelessness is at an all-time high. I just got back from Seattle where you know they put in place these high minimum wages all over the place. Yeah. It, everything was exotically expensive, relatively mm-hmm. speaking. You know, you couldn't get, you know, like eight dollar ice cream cone that's mm-hmm. like a four dollar ice cream cone everywhere else like everything was twice as much my gosh 45 dollars a day to park your car in a parking garage yeah 45 dollars to park <laughs> to park not i mean like that's more than a tank of gas for a lot of people that was just to park for a day yeah so we'll take the public transit see that's the issue right like oh okay well they're trying to change your behavior it worked they redistributed mm-hmm. like they, they it was just redistribution of where things go it creates an unnatural market and that's what you get and universal basic income will be no different we keep stepping closer and closer to that moment where it's like go to work punch the clock and eat your food yeah the whole uh, world economic forum you'll own nothing and like it yes i don't buy it so anyway let's we'll, we'll talk about where the banks are headed here a little bit more, but I realize we're running long, so we gotta take a break. Stick around, we'll be right back. This is Dave Little John. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM at 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave and Matt here. Yep. Trashing everything, I guess. Uh, uh, it's today? a it's a mini rant that leads into <laughs> Yeah. I know I gotta pull out of this dive here. It's you know, the world gets pretty frustrating for all of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, as investors, I mean, I've been frustrated for a while. It looks like uh, it feels like we're in the middle of a lake just 
thrashing, making waves and going nowhere, mm-hmm. right? Like we're in a rubber raft. We have one paddle. We're digging in circles, right? <laughs> going yeah. nowhere. You're like, oh, geez, so ridiculous. Uh, that's that's what this market feels like. Uh, it's trying to figure out if the the bank thing is going to set off a more significant rollover in the economy. Right, and I think that's why we've probably seen a lot of sideways movement for a yeah. while. And I think that that's a reasonable concern, mm-hmm. right? Um, we were talking a little bit in the last segment about if if banks, especially the, the uh, community and regional banks, tighten lending standards, they're going to be making fewer loans. That's going to be an economic damper. You're already seeing home values uh, softening significantly. There's still a structural supply uh, issue, right? There's just right, not, there's enough, just not houses enough homes for the people that are trying to get them. So that's going to sort of hold home prices a little higher. But honestly, it, it's the affordability factor for homes right now is still outrageous for folks just getting started. That you know the numbers just don't really work in the traditional financial planning sense like we'd like to see. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the solution shouldn't be get ten roommates, right? I mean, yeah. that's pretty chaotic, and that that's a very frustrating scenario uh, for just to watch it happen. And then you know, there's a lot of finger pointing about well, let's blame this party, that party. Uh, decisions have been made, not all good. You know, Federal Reserve, they just, they were wrong. But when have they been right? We should see this coming. Well, I mean, this sometimes they've been less wrong before. But yeah, where that's they're wrong a good on this one is inflation's transitory. We're going to sit on our hands. Right. They and, didn't get out of ahead of this thing. for a long time, you cannot do this after COVID when you printed, you know, trillions, right? Like, I think 20 plus percent mm-hmm. of all currency in existence in the last two years. And you go, you, you can't do that and sit mm-hmm. on your hands. You, I mean, how could you not think that this was going to be inflationary? Imagine right. if you're somewhere else not living in the U.S. and you're watching this. Like, we're living it. But imagine sitting on the <laughs> in the bleachers and watching this. You just got to shake your head. There's, there's a lot of YouTubes right now about how, you know, hindsight being 2020, it looks totally foolish. Mm-hmm. It's just that this looked foolish while it was happening, too. Yeah. And we've been commenting on this for two years. Right, we've been talking about you know, guys. This is just gonna bite you in the butt, and it's totally here. And of course, you know, DC is doing its part to, like we talked about, throw gasoline on a forest fire here. It's mm-hmm. not gonna work. Yeah. Uh, so, I my concern is that we see this rollover in in the banking environment. We're seeing outflows of capital, and people are getting nervous, uh, and and, and all of this to suggest that if we could, we could get into a recessionary environment where the market may be able to go lower. Mm-hmm. Right? I, yeah. I'm not actually calling for that. That's not the market's not behaving that way yet. Right. You're just saying that things are lining up to where they could. Well, and Man. people are saying, well, this is like a, a two to eight quarters to develop. If this is eight quarters out, the stock market has not gone down. No, for eight and it hasn't priced in like, it in. I can't remember. Yeah. So then it would be pricing this in now, and eight quarters from now we'll be dealing with other issues. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is to suggest that yeah, it, 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 there is the possibility for this to get worse, but uh, 
this is where now we have to talk about banks and nuclear weapons. Hmm. Right? Bizarre cocktail, but what happens if nuclear weapons are used in Ukraine? I mean, that's our black swan event that we keep talking about, yeah. right? I mean, the markets will freak out. Mm-hmm. Let's be clear. And by freak out, 15, 20% declines. Sure. Right? I mean, I, I think that that would happen. Is Now, would it be a COVID-style event? Yeah, maybe. Where it comes back pretty quickly once things start to normalize again. Yeah, yeah. this is so cynical of me. But remember when we shut the world down and everybody thought, oh, it's all going to be over. And then the government started printing money and it went bananas. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be that. I think it's everything goes down and then everybody realizes, wait a second, we've already destroyed all the infrastructure in Ukraine. If we're nuking Ukraine and not anywhere else too, what else is new? Other than an even more horrific human tragedy. And I'm not, I'm not trying to avoid that, gang. It's a human tragedy. But like the market is pretty cold and calculated. It gets over the humanity of itself. Like it doesn't have much humanity, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's one thing I learned about you know Seattle capitalism, it's like, well, we don't want to put a price on it. I mean, weird stuff too. Like, um, here, give us a tip before the service. Like, you have to pay for your meal in advance and put a tip in it before you get the service. Mm. It's like, oh, wow, this is like roulette for what you're going to get, what you're paying for now. Yeah. So capitalism is... So the tip is no longer the tip. <laughs> yeah. Capitalism is, has kind of jumped the shark in that respect. That it's like, it, I don't think it's got humanity. But I do think that if a lot of the GDP that's responsible from that region is already toast... I don't know that the numbers are really that affected by it. You know, we're going to be some real concerns about the economic or the, the environmental impact and what that means and what does it mean, particularly for the region around Europe. Does it spread and you know elsewhere? What kind of foreign policy results from it and you know the new alliances and whatnot? I mean, it'll shake up everything if this happens. Mm-hmm. And I really, and I hope we do not keep pushing until people are cornered and you know cornered people do crazy stuff mm-hmm. i hope and that's not what we're doing you i sometimes sit here and wonder like how cornered did russia feel when oil prices went negative and that was the staple of their entire economy right right and so you know if russia's sitting there thinking hey how do we turn it around for us i mean this answer was pretty simple they did what they did and now they're making money on their oil again and their economy is feeling the benefit of that which is the largest portion of their economy so they what was the question i asked you today matt i don't even remember that was about the yen yeah you asked me did the yen exist before uh world war ii before hiroshima and nagasaki Yeah. yeah and the answer was yes it did yes it did and did it exist after and it still exists. It did. And I think that's the part that we all need to be reminded of. Mm-hmm. What did we say at the very beginning of the show? Cap- well, we talk about it often that capitalism finds a way to survive and continue to exist. Yeah. It desperately wants to survive. Mm-hmm. It will, f- until its last breath, try to survive. And it's still capable of riding this ship. As disastrous as it is now i have very low confidence 
that the way our government is structured, that there's an incentive for good behavior. Oh, yeah. But I will tell you that there are some really cynical younger generations. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound mean, right? This whole OK Boomer movement. Mm -hmm. If I were baby boomer, I'd be very uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Right. Very uncomfortable because it's this whole clinical detachment from between generations. Yeah. No longer respecting your elders. It's like, a, hey, what do you know? And I mean, there's always been a little bit of like that sort of youthful rebellion. But, yeah. but keep in mind that there's a group with a bigger voting block than you. Okay. And we've seen a lot of these sort of kind of pretty, pretty, what do you call them? And you're like, when you see like a George Orwell 1984 kind of book and you start to watch things materialize and go, wait a minute, what? I mean, this is we the really are yeah. monitored all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. If you're carrying a cell phone with you, like you're trackable, you're probably being listened to at times, things like that. So it's a lot more real than we may have thought. Well, I'm just saying that you don't want there. There are there are more graphic tales of what happens to older generations. I'm not even going to talk about it on air. I'm mm. just going to say that you don't you don't want to get into that situation of having a battle between generations where mm -hmm. there's such a disrespect that it becomes hostile. Right. right? And but, but so the the hope is that we actually there there is still capitalism has, has enough horsepower and capability. This ship can ride itself. Like it, it really can be solved. That's the crazy thing. It can be solved. But it's it's gonna take more than like just Platitudes. What's it going to take? Well, That's really the question on the forefront of everyone's mind. What's it going to take to break this cycle? Well, we can throw a few ideas out. Okay. After. Oh, the don't last do break. it, David. Don't do it. Yep. No, we got to take it. That's the rules. So, everybody stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. We got True Wealth on News Radio 939 FM and 1240 All right, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Show, where we've got to find some silver linings today because evidently uh, I've been cranky or a dark mood or something. I don't, know, I don't know how that happens, man. Every now and then I get spooled up. Yeah, you know what? I think it's coming full circle, though, because we went, we got real low. We got real depressed, but we're bringing it back. Well, we're bringing hope back. It's live on air. And maybe it's less about depression and saying, you know, there's an acknowledgement that there's real problems out there. And then the question is, well, what do you do? So as investors, you know, first, the, the thing to latch on to is that this system is desperate to correct itself. Yep. And it historically has. Indeed. Right. Uh, second, we still have some things that are working to our benefit. Right? What's one of the things that's working? Um, we have... Still, largely, people want to come to this country. Our demographic profile looks pretty good. Well, mm -hmm. we have a big group of aging folks that do have. There's a lot of entitlement programs that um, are going to be heavily tapped as this generation uh, is is moving through the system. But we have big generations following as well, mm -hmm. and I I see a little bit of a um, kind of awakening of. Let's let's call it sort of the millennial generation and, the, and then the Gen Z. This sort of shift into like, um, it it seems like maybe productivity is possible, 
right? Mm. right. And, and this we've seen this throughout history. So there's kind of an age transition as people start to have kids and so forth. And some pushback on things that are arguably pretty crazy, mm-hmm. right? You know, like you, when you just when you have to shout at somebody and say, you know, my feelings are the truth. Like, no, no, right? That's <coughs> so we're, we're we're having those get real moments. I I think Ukraine uh, is waking a lot of people up to like the the trust level is different i mean i think the media has imploded on itself i think this is like if bitcoin solves a problem it's not the bitcoin thing it's the cryptocurrency thing right this web 3.0 where the web itself is the authenticator of the information rather than the gatekeepers in a handful of powerful hands Mm -hmm. right this distribution of information this ubiquitous access the democratization of information and what that means for us as potential investors that may be the next thing that starts to unfold in the financial system is Mm. that you've seen financial systems that were able to disproportionately uh tip the scales and then they've they've tripped they've stumbled you know silicon valley bank stopped doing traditional banking very well they i mean it's argued not not personal right i mean all the people that were involved i mean i don't think their lives should suck because somebody that went to work as a teller at silicon valley bank was associated with a company that had bad credit quality management mm-hmm. and took their eye off the ball of how to run their bank right you know they were doing their job but this is that earlier conversation of like we're all connected sometimes and just because you did your little part doesn't mean that the whole thing was functional mm-hmm the bank probably deserved it, right? And other banks that are looking at this need to say, this is why banks have to be cautious with how they manage money. You can't just grow to infinity with no uh, risk management. Yeah. You know, and so this is, this will be a tough stretch, is a tough stretch, right? And and we, we bought these behaviors, hate to say it, but you know, when you throw money at COVID, recklessly and you know it created abuses and excesses in the system we're sorting this out now yep okay but it gets sorted out remember japan's currency is still out around they've been through you know world war ii and they actual nuclear bombs Mm -hmm. horrific not advocating for this not high-fiving that this ever happened but acknowledging it was very real that they pulled through economically and, and their currency their, their survived. There are currencies around and they have survived and moved forward. They have different demographic problems. China has demographic problems. The United States has the advantage of people still want to come here. We have the ability to fix immigration and bring more people into the country. That should buoy the system. There are a lot of good things that are still working for us here. I just cannot stay down on the United States. I still mm-hmm. think if you look at the balance of all the systems that are available in the world, this one has the most opportunities to be creative and to correct itself. So if capitalism is going to spread, it creates successes at times, but it also fixes things that are broken. Right. So at the end of the day, it's hard not to believe in a silver lining because it's just what we do. Yeah. So maybe that's the the issue is today. If there's there's this acknowledgement to everybody out there, you know, it's not real fun right now. And I'm not going to say it can't get worse, but I am going to say it can most definitely get better. That's true. Right. So as we wrap today, here's the thing. I do not have a fun financial term today. Could have, but 
it's spring break. We didn't uh, go out there and try to rally that. I simply have this. For investors, look at your time horizon and know that this is part of history. In the future, we will look back on this and we'll be like, how did we not see this, that, or the other thing? Mm -hmm. But time and time again, these things have uh, we have survived and come out the other side thriving. I wouldn't throw the towel in on this thing. I like it. All right. There's the hope we needed There's right the there. And look, if you want a second opinion or look at this, maybe a way to how you might better navigate through the process, how do they reach us, Matt? Give us a call at 541-375-0898. All right. You can also check out the website at littlejohnfs.com. Lots of free resources there, not least of which is this podcast. Uh, so we're out of time for now, but until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you've been listening to True Wealth. Thanks for tuning in on News Radio 93.9 FM. 1240 KQEM. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.